0: This episode of The Better Business Show is brought to you in association with Triodos Bank, a global pioneer in sustainable banking, using the power of finance to support projects that benefit people and planet. To find out more, head to triodos.co.uk. Hello and welcome to The Better Business Show with me, Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in.
1: coming up this week i've discovered the 1976 caravan and caravan sites act as amended or something nerdy like that which actually uh, could fit a tube train into uh, into the definition of a caravan so we got round building control but we didn't really get round the energy efficiency
0: yes we're with the rather brilliantly named oro foxcroft today he owns village underground a startup space with a real difference intrigued well find out more stay tuned Yeah, welcome back. Uh, This is episode 41 of The Better Business Show. Thanks very much for tuning in and coming back to us. Uh, Episode 41, how do we get there? Um, Anyway, uh, this week, yeah, a a massive thank you to our sponsors at Triodos uh, for supporting the show over the uh, the last few weeks. Um, And we've got one more show coming up next week uh, that they're a part of. Um, And it's been great, really, sort of exploring this, This notion of what it means to be a sustainable bank. We've asked lots of questions and we've had a number of great conversations on social media over the last week so it's brilliant um, and again today's guest is Village Underground and, uh, and they're also a customer of Triodos and uh, amazing to find out some of these projects and companies that, that Triodos is willing to to willing to sort of show its hand and, and support which is great um, anyway if you want to know about more about Triodos then uh, we did speak to their UK managing director in episode 39 so go back have a listen. Uh, before we get into the heart of this week's show just a couple of uh, points uh, announcements to make have a look at our t-shirt business I know that some of you uh, will have had a look at the store but Christmas is coming um, and you might want your, you know you might want yourself or your for one of your friends an ethically produced uh sustainable cotton organic cotton t-shirt and we've got a whole range of t-shirts not just better business show ones but also with uh quotes from famous environmentalists uh, and economists uh have a look see if, if there's something you fancy i'm sure there might be the address is betterbusiness.tmill.co.uk that's t e e m i l .co.uk betterbusinessshow.tmail.co.uk have a look at um, at the store. The other thing I wanted to uh, to tell you about this week is well I had this idea a while back of uh, creating uh, a kind of collective of podcasts. Um, so the, the thinking is that, you know, if you like the Better Business Show, then there's a good chance you are like a number of other podcasts out there that are all about, you know, creating a more sustainable planet or uh, talking about better business or talking about sustainable living. And I thought I'd create this kind of hub, if you like, where you could go and you could have a look at similar sort of themed podcasts. I'm calling it the Better World Podcast Collective um it's it's on our it's hosted on our website better betterworldpodcasts.com and i've kind of collated and aggregated all of the different podcasts i think you might be interested in so there's kind of you know business themed ones there's kind of environmental themed ones there's kind of sustainable living themed ones so have a look it might be something that um that you enjoy because it's um as i say if you like this podcast then there's a very good chance you'll like uh, a number of these others that I've listed on there. So the web tr- the website is better... I'm just... I don't really know, so I'm sort of typing it in as I speak. Uh, betterworldpodcasts.com. Uh, that's, that's exactly the address. Have a look and see what takes your fancy. Lots of you signing up for our newsletter. Really appreciate that. And I think it's, it's the best way to stay in touch with all that we're doing. We've got two shows a week now. Um, so we've got the Monday show, which is this show, uh, but we also come out on Friday. So have a look at that. It's our Friday five. We give we give you a sort of 10 minute digest of all the latest news from across the last seven days. So before you go off for the weekend, you can spend 10 minutes and you can get all the latest news that you should have been aware of from the last week. Um, it's going very, very well. So have a look. Um, and the best way to stay in touch with us uh, so that you don't miss a thing is our newsletter, which also goes out on Friday. Uh, you can sign up at the website betterbusiness.show. Uh, there's a big box right at the top give us your email address and you'll subscribe to the newsletter and and you won't miss a thing now if you've been to east london um recently you'll know what's become of the place i mean many blocks east of sort of old street station have been completely transformed over the last sort of maybe 10, 15 years, much like, you know, places like Brooklyn in New York. And you've got this kind of new gentrified community of hipsters and marketing agencies and tech startups and entrepreneurs um, renting out these kind of converted houses or warehouses and old office blocks. But it's become this really sort of buzzing place. And whenever I'm in the area for for meetings uh, or whatever, I, I love just, you know, wandering around, the streets and really sort of soaking up this this quite unique atmosphere actually of this tiny little pocket of London really sort of being transformed and coming to life um, well if you wander along uh, Great Eastern Street in that area you get an even more unique sight from top of the rows of buildings up there almost sort of jutting out into the street are a series of kind of graffitied tube carriages and a bunch of shipping containers it's a really arresting sight because you just don't expect to see what you're going to see. And this is the home of Village Underground, a a cultural and creative hub in the heart of East London. And it's part creative community, part arts venue, and it's housed in this renovated turn-of-the-century warehouse primed for everything from concerts and club nights to exhibitions and theatre and art and other types of creative and, and cultural performance. And it's also a place where startups can rent space from Village Underground and, and work from there. It's cheap, cheap rent. But there's more to it than that. From the way it's been developed to the way it's run, it's, it's a really interesting story. And I caught up with the owner of Village Underground uh, this week to find out more. Oro Foxcroft's his name. Here's what he had to say to me. Oro, oh, thanks for being a part of the Better Business Show. Um, let's let's go back a bit. Of course, you know you're the owner of the Village Underground, and we're going to get into into exploring what what you're up to right now. But why don't we take a step back, and, and, and maybe you can explain who you are and, and where your career has kind of taken you to this point. <laughs>
1: okay so yeah my name's oro foxcroft um i've had a wandering meandering bit of career like um like many people do and i um i studied furniture design at university actually i did a a master's in furniture design and uh like a good student i thought well actually um now i've uh, now i've got myself qualified and sorted i'll i'll set up a furniture design practice and yeah. um i set up with a friend of mine i had been studying with and we quickly ran into the same sort of first hurdle that all young aspiring creative people in london hit which is there's no chance you can afford somewhere to work around here i mean this was also 10 years ago so it's it's it uh, was <laughs> much yeah. better then anyway so we couldn't we can we can uh, afford afford a place so i thought well I, i'm going to make one then i've been looking at container city Do you know that over in uh, over in docklands they've got a huge yeah. workspace thing out of recycled shipping containers okay um you anyway, know i was looking at that and then um and then i thought well maybe railway carriages because um they must go to the uh Scrapyard, and you've got loads of windows in there. There's big, you know, light kind of um, rooms essentially. So I ended up um, getting hold of this guy Barry at London Underground, who uh, whose job it was to commission new trains and scrap old trains. And you you could quickly see uh, he'd been there since they dug the tunnels. I mean, he was he was really (laughs) really enmeshed in that. And and you could, I kind of had this feeling like a little bit of his soul went to the Went to the scrapyard with every <laughs> one of his trains that he said goodbye to. And so I came along and said, Well, you know, I've got this idea and I want to make a, a station, a, 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 a studio. And um, so he said he's going to give me a bunch of old London Underground tube trains if I can find a space to, <laughs> uh, to put them. You know, and he's pointing out, Oh, you need planning permission and building control and all this kind of thing. It's not so easy. So I sort of disappeared off, I guess, for a. Uh, for a year and a half i think it was and um right. until i'd found this derelict bit of viaduct um in the middle of shoreditch um, a mate of mine he was a he was a rock climber so we got the crampons and the ropes and everything and i had my my first expedition on the ropes we got up onto this old bit of viaduct it was amazing here you could see all the way up to um all the way up into Dolston. i mean it's a good couple of miles and it, it turned into a meadow i guess it had been they decommissioned the line in 87, right. so um, it had been empty for a long time. There were trees up here, foxes, like I say, a self-seeded meadow, and, um, and and so we'd sort of found our spot, and Hackney Council said they'd, they'd, uh, they'd lend us this bit of land on a peppercorn rent, because right. it was just a sort of island, the bit that they were giving us, stuck up in the middle of Shoreditch, disconnected from the rest of the line because they'd taken the bridge out. Um, so I found my carriages and I'd found my uh, land and I, I went back to barry and um <laughs> he was uh, he was retiring the next day he was very pleased for right. me but i'm off tomorrow <laughs> um uh the project kind of had to carry on and well actually it's quite a long story but in the end i'd convinced uh, the next guys at london underground to get these tube carriages here and they were just about to come up onto the roof onto top of this viaduct yeah. and the um i borrowed a load of money um and uh, I think, uh, you know, I was I was just finished uni, like I said, I was on the dole as well. And I was trying to scrabble together to get this project off the ground. Um, and the guy phoned up from Hackney Council and he said to me, um, I'm terribly sorry. It was really rather embarrassing. I, it was kind of an awkward conversation. But um, the bit of land next door where you're putting your staircase so you can get up onto the viaduct. We auctioned that off a couple of years ago. So... You'll have to you'll have to stop your project. <laughs> there I am, kind of fresh out of uni and twenty grand in debt from this uh, <laughs> from digging the foundations. <laughs> anyway, so the guy he came down and uh, you know I kind of hit him up with all of my ridiculous ideas about New York fire escape ladders and you know tiny spiral staircase sort of like carved into the side of the building. Oh, yeah. like, look, I don't think this is going to work, but come and have a look here. And he got this huge bunch of keys. Right. And he unlocked a roller shutter on this building next door, yeah. and he, he he kind of rolled it up, and then sort of gestured with his arm, "If you would uh, take this uh, place off as a commercial rent, um, you can ha- you can put your staircase in the yard here." And and he uh, <laughs> he sort of like waved his arm, you know, kind of one day all of this will be yours across this huge sea of detritus and burnt out cars and warped kind of fire damaged mechanics ramps and basically it was, a, it was an old garage that had been that had been set fire to and uh, and it burnt the whole place pretty much to the ground there was the four walls standing not much of a roof left on it oh, and uh, and um and it was about kind of shoulder deep in that kind of 20th century kind of grot the health yeah, clearance yeah. guys they'd been backing their lorries up into this van for years, and 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 you know, filling it full of old safes and fridges and all sorts <laughs> of horrors. That, you know, just like they're quietly rotting, um, and um, home to all the rats and sort of dying pigeons of East London, and uh, and that that was the seed. That was what was to become Village Underground.
0: So, so your plans had to change. You had a, a vision of what this this place you wanted to create was going to be, and then circumstances made you then change the plan i mean did you have a business yeah. plan in place at this point or what, what, what sort of where were you well
1: at? yeah i had i had a I'd had a business plan to put these um studios on the roof so it started off with just one for me and doing doing this furniture design practice i was mentioning and you know like lots of ideas they quickly grow so i thought well you know no point in doing one might as well do a handful of them that I can put a creative community together and lots of different people working different creative disciplines and cheap affordable workspace in the middle of London surely that's going to work and you know so I'd I'd kind of mapped it out like I get about 50 people working up there in these disused uh, carriages and and containers and um, that had a business plan that I had taken to a few lenders. It started off with these community development finance initiatives. There was one around the corner from us called uh, London Rebuilding Society. Great okay. guy there called Bruce Wood, who um, <sighs> kind of mentored me, I suppose, took a shine to me like that. I used to turn up on my skateboard and, uh, <laughs> and he, <laughs> so he, he kind of, he took a punt first and said that he would lend this 20 grand to get the foundations going to build right. this project and then um he put me in touch with triodos bank and i met this great guy paul nichols there who also um you know got on board and uh paul lent the majority of of it so triodos were kind of like the first big sponsor i'd say and um and then um won london and uh the excellent Fair Finance, also not far from here, also, another great guy. So you, you had all of these um, brilliant people that were lending to small startups and um, small kind of creative or cultural or community type businesses benefiting the local area. Um, and all of that was going fine, and then then came the phone call, and then came the sort of burnt to the ground old warehouse, <laughs> and uh, and it radically changed the course of everything.
0: So did you then need more finance to then make use of this this empty building next door?
1: Uh, yes, but um, okay. but I, I didn't get it. So it's not like we didn't try actually. What what happened was um, I went back in to meet this guy the following monday the guy from hackney council and i sort of you know signed under some sort of duress these heads of terms for the lease on the viaduct and i said look i tell you what i'll I'll," so the lease on the warehouse i said i'll I'll do it if you put a roof on it he said all right then (laughs) turns out it was the best it was the best deal i'd ever done actually but it didn't feel like it at the time and um because i would just finished uni and was at, at that kind of loose end that lots of people are out after they study i've got lots of mates in the same boat so i uh. we got the stereo on the go we got the instant coffee and the bacon sandwiches and i just got loads of people together and we cleared i don't know 30 40 skips out of uh, out of there and and when it when it was empty um it was actually Really beautiful, and um, you know it had, it's got something about it. This room, it's got like a has volume. It's really high, ten meters to the ceiling. Okay. There's <laughs> railway arches coming off one side of it, and it's got a particular sort of Tardis effect because that roller shutter I mentioned earlier on. It was the the room that you then look into. It's it's huge, like five thousand square foot. It's a it's a quite an imposing space and my grandparents had left me a little bit of money which was enough to get the sandblasters in so that was the next thing we did sandblasted the whole thing and and it was like a an eraser you know going back in time as you sort of sandblasted off all of this hundred years of paint and fire (laughs) damage and Mold and and then behind it was all sorts of um, all sorts of architectural details that you couldn't see. You know, there was bricked up staircases, old doorways, windows, floors that had used to be in the building that were no longer there anymore, and it was this sort of palimpsest, looking back in time. And um, once you could see all of that and the, the yellows and the and the reds, the hues of all the different eras of brickwork, it was really something. So we just started trading really I had a six month rent free off the council we started doing small photo shoots uh, local you know local fashion designers and people like that yay a couple of hundred pounds (laughs) we'll put a front door on then you know (laughs) yeah yeah, another couple of hundred pounds oh let's, let's plant a toilet in and it rattled like on like that for a bit and then then we um then we started putting on parties in there and a couple of hundred quid turned into a couple of thousand quid yeah and you know we could get the health and safety sorted out and it was all very sort of organic and ad hoc and a, a bit under the radar and um <laughs> and it, it's we sort of self-funded that bit of the project um and the income from the um from the artist studios that that happened that had been they'd all been craned in and installed and that creative community was there so that was presenting us with cash flow right. um and it it very sort of slowly edged forwards over the period of maybe three years or something yeah um yeah. until we got a license and uh, we got the planning permission we got the licensing we were legit and then then we were then we were flying Okay, I love the fact that you held parties to, in
0: order to fund getting health and safety sorted out. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what <laughs> the wrong of way around. <laughs> um, But this, I mean, this is a real labour of love, isn't it? And uh, so, so today you've got your you've got your train carriages up top. They're on mm-hmm. top of the roof. They're yep. a really they're a really sort of imposing kind of view on there when you when you walk down the street there. Um, yeah, and to see them on top of the roof is just something. So they're they're full up with with startups and and kind of entrepreneurs, are they?
1: Yeah, it's it's all um, young people setting up creative businesses or practices, you know, artistic um, practices. Okay. Oh, we've got video makers, poets, writers, visual artists, designers, fashion people. Um, and it changes, um, you know, on a fairly regular basis, sort of ebbs and flows with different configurations of people.
0: Yeah, right, okay. And then downstairs, you've got an arts, sort of an arts venue, I guess, have you? Yeah, for, yeah. For- I mean, the thing thing I love about Triodos, I'm sure you agree with this, is that they're not just keen on supporting environmental or social projects, it's this kind of focus on the cultural aspect as well. And I guess Village Underground kind of ticked all of those boxes for, for, for a company like Triodos, didn't it?
1: Yeah, because um, there, was, there was quite a strong environmental sort of theme through it. Um, you know, we recycled all of these carriages and shipping containers, those building sites getting pulled down round the corner from us. We got the staircase from there. We got old railway sleepers. You know, we we pieced it all together kind of painstakingly. Um, and, uh, then when we started to renovate the building, um, we found that the roof was really leaky. The aforementioned parties, uh, didn't go down very well with the neighbors. And, uh, (laughs) I became an amateur acoustician pretty quickly. And we managed to uh, find one acoustic consultant who was prepared to put his, uh, his name on i suppose his neck on the line because i didn't <laughs> want to cover the roof in 60 tons of concrete nor did i have the money but yeah. that's another sort of angle on it so we um we started doing experiments with um living roofs and how to what degree they can attenuate sound from from um, concerts and that kind of thing um so we've got this big green living roof up here it's quite a you know quite a meadow i think it's um what's that like uh, 200 square meters or something it's quite a big roof yeah so you know when when you know when we're doing new things we're always trying to look at the environmental impact of what we're what we're doing to the buildings
0: and presumably i mean making old tube carriages um kind of environmentally sound is no mean feat either i mean what what have you done to kind of make sure that kind of the footprint is low and all that type of stuff
1: well they're they're not very well insulated that's the problem and and if you look into the roof it's not that you can put a load of insulation inside the ceiling because it's all hundreds and hundreds of small cavities with electronic equipment and cable channels and all that sort of thing and yeah um actually we almost couldn't do the project because building control said that it wouldn't meet the energy regs and um and therefore uh, we wouldn't be able to go forward right. and they said I'll tell you what you can do you can cover the whole tube train in a 10 centimeter thick layer of polystyrene and then you could do it <laughs> <laughs> and I started having these arguments with them about well come on if you calculate the embodied energy um, I think there's a gallon of petrol worth of embodied energy in a dozen <laughs> bricks right. like, you know so like come on perhaps we can think a bit more creatively about energy efficiency here they weren 't actually up for it, so in the end i 've discovered the one thousand nine hundred and seventy six caravan and caravan sites act as amended or something nerdy like that, which actually uh, could fit a tube train into uh, into the definition of a caravan, so we got round building control, but we didn 't really get round the energy efficiency, so we we buy one hundred percent green energy from um, from ecotricity, so okay. that's kind of how we got round the the impact of it, and yeah. uh, everybody's got a blanket over the back of their chair. Yeah. And so there's a there's a couple of there's about four kilowatts of electric radiators in in each one of them. Okay, um, okay. Go, going back to your mate Barry
0: uh, at the uh, the London Underground, there. I mean, how often do they they, they sort of decommission trains? Did he um, say?
1: yeah not very often and um and uh, these ones i think they were 83 stock from the from the jubilee line and um i think it had been a little bit of a scandalous affair where they'd bought a whole fleet of trains found out there was some fundamental flaw in the design and scrapped them all <laughs> so, oh, kind of, right. so, so and there were there were some that were um, that were in the middle of a load of railway sidings. they have been sat there for ten years, and this railway sidings was, I don't know, ten or fifteen tracks wide. It was a big junction, basically, right. and um, because London Underground is actually a, a bunch of different companies who look after the tracks, the signalling, the fleet, and stations, and so on, they're all arguing over whose responsibility it was to get rid of these trains, and it turned out that the, the problem was was that they couldn't drive them down the tracks because if something fell off the bottom or if they got stuck or something like that and it disrupted the service, I think the fine is something like a million quid an hour or something <laughs> outrageous. So nobody had touched them for a decade. And I was the guy that kind of came along and said, well, I've got this money from Triodos and these guys so I can move them. So if you all come and help do your bit, I'll pay for the crane and, um, Barry introduced me to this um, this great guy Rod, he's like a sort of a sort of genius of electronics and mechanics and engineering. He used to like he used to design the post office sorting machines and telephone switchboards. He's got one of those brains on him. And he's yeah. also in he was also into cranes and haulage and trains, and uh, so he was the mastermind behind getting them out um, and. So I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> it no, took just, a I, lot of time. <laughs> I can
0: imagine. I can imagine you on the pavement watching these things going up on the roof. That must have been such a, a great feeling in, in, in lots of respects. Uh, was there also a kind of you know, t- t- trepidation as well? i thinking, what the hell am I doing?
1: Yeah, well, it'd been it'd been about sort of a, a couple of years in the making. So when it actually happened, you know, it was like all your Christmases coming at once. I was really excited. I I went down there. It was like five o'clock on a Sunday morning in, right. in August, and I got there and and Rod, this crane guy, he's, he's looking at me and he's saying, "Where's all your mates then?" I said, "What do you mean all my mates?" I thought you were doing the job. He said, "Well," and he had, you know, he licked his finger and put his hand up and said the wind's picking up i think you better get on the phone and oh yeah, I'm trying, calling around everybody you know at five o'clock in the morning and of course nobody was up and the ones that were up you know weren't any good to me that's for sure and uh, so i managed to scrape together a couple of people and it was very you know we we're on the end of ropes you know, and right. the wind did pick up and so it was a bit it was a bit scary for a for a, for a while there a little um, bit hairy so it was so- hairy
0: you're, so you're running, you're running the, you know, you're running the the village underground as a as a as a viable business. Are you, uh, all about the furniture business. I mean, are you getting that off the ground or what? <laughs>
1: no, no. I everybody asks that. I have <laughs> made one bit of furniture in the last decade. That was the nail in it. Basically, when when I took over that warehouse and it was this huge, you know, this huge oh. project to renovate this massive derelict building and bring it into life as a multi arts venue. In, no, no bit in that sentence was easy. <laughs> is easy, <laughs> and so the furniture design fell by the wayside.
0: Well, it's, one could argue that you're making something a bit more, uh, a, a lot more kind of sustainable, in in all senses of the word. Um, but I really loved hearing about Village Underground, ORO, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us all about it. How can our listeners find out more about you and what you're up to?
1: Um, We're just about to get a new website, which is going to be packed full of uh, images and videos and interesting information. That's www.villageunderground.co.uk. We've also got a sister project in Portugal. Um, okay. village underground lisboa so you oh. can go and look that up as well um similar kind of an affair um so we're spreading we're spreading and we've got some uh, friends um out in barcelona that are trying to get hold of a site at the moment so it okay. might be a rash of village undergrounds before we know it
0: brilliant 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 and, and also obviously you know lots of businesses tuning in if, they, if there's a, a space to be rented i mean yours is the place isn't it
1: uh, yeah if you like being creative and you like East London and you like not paying much in rent then yeah <laughs> it's probably a good bet
0: Auro Foxcroft there owner of Village Underground uh, what a fantastic name uh, if you find yourself in East London in the next few weeks uh, then do seek out the Village Underground it's brilliant have a look up there have a look at those train carriages it's just so weird and yet oddly oddly beautiful I can't wait to have a look inside the, the venue itself next time in that part of the world um, But uh, yeah, have a look. Check out Village Underground. All the links to uh, Oro and his work and the Village Underground are in today's show notes. Uh, Go to betterbusiness.show for that. You'll also find at the top of that homepage of our podcast uh, website uh, a box. Just give us your email address and you'll start getting our newsletter and uh, we'll send that to you every Friday you may well be listening to us via itunes or soundcloud but you can also find us on TuneIn, stitcher and deezer we're in all those places uh so take your take your pick um please as ever let us know what you think of the show we'd love to hear from you uh let us know what you he- you know what you think of village underground or oro uh, and his story always interested to hear from you and, and understand what you think and uh, and what we can also what we can do better on the show uh, what do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? Um, what sort of companies should we be talking to? Are there other sort of recommendations you have out there? Uh, I put a call out on, on social media in the week just asking for ideas and got got lots of great ideas back. So that's lovely. So, yeah, anyone that, that's interested in doing that, that'd be really helpful. I'm on Twitter, at Tom Idle. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you want to email me, I'm at Tom Idle, at narrativematters.co.uk a big thank you to our sponsors uh, Triodos Bank which is kindly supporting the show uh, through the month of October Uh, some brilliant conversations we've been having with you around the kind of values-led banking and what it means to be a sustainable bank Uh, so that's been great Um, but that's it I mean that's it for another week we'll be back again on Friday for our Friday Five uh, which will be out Friday lunchtime so look out for that but until next time goodbye